All right, well, good morning. Uh, my name is Martashe Gaston. I'm one of the, I am a member here at Pillar Church. And I'm excited uh, to be here and to, just to get to share God's word with you guys uh, this morning. It's, you know, it's raining, it's cold. Um, but, you know, like, uh, like the verse says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, um, you know, like we have reason to, Rejoice, and hopefully, you know, we'll see that from uh, from the message today. Um, and but before we begin, let's pray, uh, so that way we can get going into God's word. Well, Father, I thank you for this opportunity and this time that you have brought us all here today. And as we'll see uh, from your word, God, there you don't make mistakes. There are no accidents with you, and everything happens according to your your predetermined plan, God, and your will. Um, and we know that you are a good, good God. And so we're thankful, God. We are grateful for this good day that you've given to us, that you've brought us all here. Um, we're all here safely, God, and, um, and that we have the privilege to hear your word, um, you know, because we have a place, God, where we can do that. Um, so we're grateful for that, God, and we praise you for that. Um, and I pray that you would just use everything that is shared this morning, God, to glorify your name and your name alone, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, well, normally here at Pillar Church, we go through, um, like, one book of the Bible, and we go through that, um, you know, until we're done with it. But for the past several weeks, we've been looking at our Advent series. And I don't know if any of you remember, what does the word Advent mean? You guys remember? I think somebody said it. Coming, yes, okay? And so we're talking about the coming of Jesus. And so we've been looking at um, a couple, I just wanna review with you really quickly just to remind you guys of what we have talked about before. So two weeks ago, Eric showed us how um, the angel announced the birth of Jesus to Joseph and Mary, okay? And how God's favor or his grace was shown. And then last week, Caleb, he showed us how um, Mary sang the song of, um, of praise called the Magnificat, okay? Her song, which was a praise to Jesus. And he talked about this word called true. And so today we're going to look at how grace and truth, those two things together, um, are shown fully in Jesus and why this should cause us to rejoice, okay? Now, I guess this is good for you guys, right? It's kind of cold this morning, and so I don't have a coat on. All of y'all are looking nice and warm, okay? Um, and I'm up here with no jacket on, so that, that might make me talk a little bit faster to make this sermon a little bit shorter, um, but we'll see, all right? So let's open up our text to Luke chapter 2. Where, uh, there's two passages we're going to look at, so I guess hold one of them with your finger or for those of you with, uh, you know, your phone Bibles, um, which will count. Uh, also put a bookmark or something in John 1 verse 14. Okay, so we're going to read Luke 2, verses 1 through 7 first, and then we're going to flip or swipe to John 1, verse 14. Okay, so I'll read it for you. All right, if your Bible has titles, it says the birth of Jesus. All right, so here we go, Luke 2, 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. 
Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. All right, and then flip or swipe to John 1.14. And it says this, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, this wasn't in my sermon, but for whatever reason, I woke up this morning, um, like right before my alarm went off, which I hate because it's like, man, I could have slept for five more minutes. Um, you know, and this word came to me, it was this word anticipation. You know, I don't know why, but I was like, all right, God, if this is what you want me to share, then I will share it. So have you guys ever had to wait for something like for a really long time? Um, like your birthday, right? I know it's someone's birthday today. Okay. I won't say who it is. She may not want me to shout her out. Um, you know, but like, do you like get excited when your birthday comes? Some people don't get excited about their birthday because they don't want to get older, you know, and I know some people who are like that too, which I won't name. Um, but like for me, every year I look forward to my birthday, right? Like my birthday is on September 26th. On September 27th, I'm already looking forward to next year's birthday, okay? Um, for kids, right, it's like Christmas. I know my kids like, you know, we got a, a countdown at the house, like 14 days to Christmas, you know, 12 days to Christmas. So it's like excitement waiting for Christmas. I know for some of us, like, we're anticipating the end of this pandemic, right? 2020 has been terrible, right? Everybody's like, man, can we hit 2021, please? Can we just hit fast forward and get to next year, okay? So anticipation, like, we all know what that feels like to wait for something for a really, really long time, right? But have any of you had to wait for something for hundreds of years? Anybody in here? No? Thousands of years? Anybody in here? No? Well. That's what we're, we're looking at when we get to the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, right? This event has been something that has been um, anticipated for hundreds, if not thousands of years, starting with the very first book in the Bible, right? And I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me give you a little outline of what we're going to talk about today. Um, in our text, we're going to look at three I guess sections. We're going to talk about the fulfillment of Old Testament promises and prophecy. Then we're going to talk about how God is with us. And then we're going to see why this should cause us to worship and rejoice. Okay? So if you'd like to take notes, those are like the little headings. All right, so let me ask you this question first, right? Let's go back to Luke. So just keep your Bibles open to Luke. So in Luke chapter 2, right, we see that Joseph and Mary, they are in Nazareth, right? But they have to leave to go to Bethlehem. And she's pregnant. Now, I've never been pregnant, okay? But I've heard it's, it's, it's hard, right? For you women in here who, some of you are pregnant, some of you have been pregnant, right? Uh, it's not like easy, right? Nobody goes, oh man, pregnancy, that was a breeze, right? Easy, the baby was there nine months later, just popped out, you know, simple. Right? I've never, well, I don't know, maybe there's some women who feel like that, but I've never heard it, you know, it's as easy as that, right? So why would Joseph take his very pregnant, I mean, Mary was like ready to give birth, wife, 
and travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Just to give you some context, right? Nazareth to Bethlehem was about 90 miles, okay? And so for us, we're like, well, what's that? So that's like going from here to Waco, okay? That trip would have taken them about three days, it says. Um, and so imagine walking from here, right? You leave here, not right now, okay? If you left after service, um, and you walked all the way to Waco, right? Uh, Google Maps says it will take you 30 hours, okay? I Googled it, I mapped it, and it was like 30 hours walking, right? Now, that's nonstop. Like, if you just left here right now and just walked for 30 hours straight, that's how long it would take you to get to Waco, okay? So that's not including, you know, potty breaks or stopping to sleep or anything like that. So that 90 miles would have taken them about, you know, three days back then. So, you know, why would he do that? Why would he take his wife, who's super pregnant, and they're going on this journey, right? Because I know a lot of times doctors don't even want women to get like on airplanes when they're pregnant or anything. It's like you just stay home, you know, just relax, wait for the baby to be born. So there's one answer that's super obvious because the Bible tells us, you know, he had to because Rome called the census, okay? Luke 2, 1 says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar that the whole empire should be registered. So this is kind of like the census. We just had the census in 2020. So that's super... Um, you know, relevant to us right now. You know, we just have the census where we have to count everybody in this country to see how many people we have and, you know, we get services and things like that because of the census. So Joseph had no choice because back then when they did this um, census, people had to go to where they were originally from um, and that, you know, wherever their hometown was, their place of birth, that's where they had to go to be registered. So Joseph, while they're in Nazareth, that's not where he's from. He's from Bethlehem. So he had to go back to Bethlehem to be registered there, okay? So that's the first reason, right? Super obvious, the Bible says, hey, he had to go, he had no choice. Rome says, you gotta go back to your place of birth, so he's gotta obey. But there's a bigger reason why he had to go to Bethlehem. You see, Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy. So this has even nothing to do with Rome. Like, yes, Rome made that decree, but that decree really wasn't Rome, it was God who did this, okay? Joseph had to go to Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy because Jesus had to be born there. And, you know, it's like, well, what's prophecy? You know, what is that? At the simplest thing, prophecy is just a message from God. Okay, there were prophets of old in the Old Testament and they would speak whatever God told them to speak. And sometimes there were some things that they said that was just for the present moment. You know, they were just speaking to a king or a person and telling them, hey, thus says the Lord. But sometimes the prophets would say things that were for future generations. It wasn't for the people at that time. It was for us or people in the future. And there are so many prophecies um, and even some promises that Jesus fulfilled. And that's what I want to draw our attention to today. Now, lots of times when you read your Bible, you know, how do you know if something is a prophecy that was, you know, that's something that was foretold in the past. Well, sometimes our Bibles tell us, right? Sometimes if you look in your Bible, it'll say, this happens to fulfill the scripture. Um, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, that's one of them. It says, it says this, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. So the Bible very clearly tells us, hey, this thing happened to fulfill a prophecy. But sometimes, you know, our Bibles don't give us that clear picture. Sometimes we have to do some homework. And if you ever notice in your Bibles, there's these little like footnotes, you know, like a lowercase a, lowercase b, um, or sometimes some Bibles have some numbers, okay? 
If you have a, a digital Bible, this is where the phone Bibles come in handy because you can just tap on the little icon and it'll pop up the verse and you can read it, right? But if you've got like one of these, you know, there's no tapping anything, right? You have to actually turn the page and go back to read what this verse says. And so sometimes it'll tell us, hey, you know, this is something that's from, you know, the Old Testament or from, um, you know, the Psalm 1 or from Genesis 3. So sometimes we have to do a little bit of homework to go back and see what this verse is actually talking about, what this prophecy is referring to. And so the Old Testament, right, this entire half of our, well, it's more than half of the Bible, it's all been pointing to this specific moment when Jesus was born. You know, and, and maybe that's why God gave me that word anticipation this morning. Right? The whole Old Testament has been anticipating this specific moment. Right? When Jesus is born, this is not just some regular ordering like, hey, it's another baby that's born. No, no, no. And that's actually the one thing I want you guys to see this morning is when you see the birth of Jesus, whenever you see a nativity scene, I hope you see more than just a baby that's born. Right? Because this is not just any baby that's born. This is not just anything normal or ordinary that happens, okay? There are so many prophecies that Jesus fulfills. It's just crazy. And all of this shows us that A, God keeps his word. And then B, the Bible is true, right? Because Jesus fulfills every single one of these prophecies. Now, we're not going to read all of them. There's just a couple that I want you guys to see. And they start way back in Genesis chapter 3. So here's Genesis 3.15. It says this. I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, they messed up this perfect world that God made. God gave them this promise in the very, I mean, this is Genesis 3. Like, we haven't even gotten through a third of the Bible. This is the very beginning of the Bible, and we get this promise that there is this person who's coming who's going to crush the head of the serpent, which is represented by Satan here. Okay, and it says the woman's offspring. So yes, he's talking to Eve in this moment, but this is a prophecy for something in the future. There is this seed, this offspring that's going to come from Eve's generation in the future that's going to crush sin, the serpent. Okay, This is talking about Jesus. Okay, he is the seed of the woman. Okay, here's another one. Genesis 12, verse 3, it says this. He's, this is God talking to Abraham. He gives Abraham this promise. He says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. How are all the people on the earth blessed through Abraham? Well, here's the thing. Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. If you go back and read Matthew 1, there's this long genealogy, which back in the day I used to hate genealogies because it's like, and this person gave birth to this person, and this person gave birth. It's like just a list of names. And if I'm honest, I would skip them a lot of times, right? Because like, why am I reading this? Um, but genealogies have a purpose, okay? Because they're showing you some specific things that God has proclaimed in advance, right? So in Matthew, it's talking about Jesus comes from the line of Abraham. Jesus is the one that the whole world gets blessed through by his birth okay this promise to abraham was talking about jesus okay here's another one isaiah 7 verse 14 therefore the lord himself will give you a sign see the virgin will conceive have a son and name him emmanuel and you see 700 years later 
This is what we read in Matthew that I just read. Matthew 1, 22 to 23. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. See, this is Jesus that this prophecy was talking about. And Matthew very explicitly tells us that's who this prophecy is talking about. This is who fulfills it. And then here's another one. Isaiah 9, verse 6 through 7. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The, the dominion will be vast and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. See, again, this prophecy is about Jesus, this child who's going to be born, this virgin who's going to give birth to this child. This is all pointing to Jesus. And see, Jesus is a descendant of David as well. If you read that um, genealogy in Matthew, okay, he's a descendant of Abraham, he's a descendant of David, because God had made this promise to David that one of his descendants, one of his children would sit on the throne forever, right? And so David had sons, right? Solomon, his next son, the next son, the next son, right? None of them sat on the throne forever. So it was like, well, who was this prophecy talking about? And then we get to Matthew, we get to the New Testament, it's Jesus. And finally, here's the one that I was talking about earlier, right? Why did they have to go to Bethlehem to be born? Why did Jesus have to be born in Bethlehem? Well, here's what Micah 5 verse 2 says. Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity or from old, from ancient times. You see, this is why Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. This had nothing to do with the emperor. This had nothing to do with Rome. Rome thought they were making this decree of their own, you know, volition. But no, no, this was God working, right? This was God moving a whole nation, a whole kingdom, the whole earth, so that way his prophecy could be fulfilled. You see, Mary was never going to give birth to Nazareth, right? God's hand was on her so that that baby was not going to come out until they stepped foot in Bethlehem. Because this prophecy had to be fulfilled. You see, God keeps his word. Like, it doesn't matter if it's a hundred years, a thousand years. If God says something, he is going to do it. God is faithful, right? We see that over and over and over and over again. God is called faithful, right? God is called true. So God will keep his promises. And we'll talk more about that in a second. So we get to verse 6, right, in um, Luke chapter 2. And it says this, While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. You see, it didn't matter how long they stayed in Nazareth, that baby was, Jesus was not going to be born there. Okay? But the moment they got to Bethlehem, right, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. So God keeps his word. So here's the thing. All this time in the Old Testament, like we were talking about, this anticipation of this promise, this coming person who was going to do something amazing, who was going to save people, right? This is Jesus, Jesus Christ. 
Now, how many of you thought that Christ was Jesus' last name? Don't raise your hand, okay? It's not his last name, okay? I don't know how many people thought that, um, but that's not. Christ is a title, okay? So whenever you see the word Jesus Christ, think of it like this. Jesus the Christ, because Christ is a title. Christ means Messiah, which means anointed one or chosen one. So whenever you're saying Jesus Christ, what you're saying is Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the chosen one. Jesus is the one that all the Old Testament prophecies were talking about. He's the one that all the um, promises were made for us about. So you see, the Old Testament predicts the Messiah. And once we get to the New Testament, it says, hey, here is the Messiah. It is Jesus. That's why when we read Luke, we read Matthew, we read all the different Gospels. I mean, they take great pains to let us know, like, hey, he is fulfilling these different prophecies that all the different books of the Old Testament have been pointing to. It's found in Jesus. And, I mean, Jesus' birth is so important. It is so pivotal. Like, you guys know, like, our whole calendar, our time is based on his birth, right? And I know some people have tried to change that, you know, to take away the religious tones from it. But, you know, like when we say B.C., you guys know what B.C. means? Like, you know, 300 B.C., 800 B.C., that means before Christ. And then A.D. is Anno Domini. It means in the year of the Lord. So even our whole calendar, our whole time is based on the birth of Jesus. It's like time is split in half. It's like everything that happened before Jesus was born, that's B.C., and then from the moment Jesus is born, it's like a new era has come in, okay, and that's A.D. So even our time is proclaiming Jesus. He is the separator of, you know, time and space. Now, so when we get to Jesus, this is why we're going to see. This is, like I said earlier, this is not a little event. This is not a tiny thing that happens. I mean, the whole heaven and earth, like every part of creation has been waiting for this one moment that we get to see here. And that's why in the coming weeks, you know, we're going to see shepherds coming. We're going to see wise men coming. We're going to see angels singing about this specific baby's birth. Because this baby is more than just a baby that's born. This is God himself coming down to earth. And see, Jesus had to be born during this time. Because you can say, you know, well, why was it this specific moment? Like, why here? Why now? Well, Galatians 4, verse 4 through 5 tells us this. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law. You see, the, the word that's used here in Galatians 4, it's pleroma, and it means that Jesus came at the perfect time. You see, just like we had been anticipating, the Old Testament had been anticipating all this stuff, it was coming, it was coming, it was coming. Well, God said, okay, now is the time. This is when my son is going to be coming into the earth. So this was God's perfect timing. And there were some things that happened in the world that made this the perfect time. Because at this time, um, you know, when we think about Rome that was in charge of the world at this time, there's something called the Pax Romana where there was peace during this time, because Rome was controlling the majority of the world. So there was peace during this time. Um, there were roads, okay? The Romans had built roads so people could travel from different countries and go to different places. And there was one dominant language, which was Greek during this time. So all of this together combined to make it very easy that once Jesus is born and he comes into the world, that people could travel and the gospel get spread throughout the world something that would have been difficult to happen earlier in time. 
Okay? So this just shows us, listen, God's timing is perfect. Even if, you know, you've been waiting on God to do something for you, God's timing will come through. Like I said, we've all been anticipating 2020 to be over, waiting for these. But remember, listen, God's timing is perfect. Okay? We can trust him. So this brings us to the second point. God with us. So go to John 1 verse 14, which is our second passage. And I want to read it for you guys one more time. Here's what it says in John 1.14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I cannot wrap my mind around how did God become a human, right? Because we think like, you know, the Bible says God is spirit. You know, we think about like God is almighty. He's, you know, he's just high above us. So how did God come from above, come into the form of like a little baby? Like, how did he do that? He put on flesh. I don't know. Like, that's too much for our brains to comprehend. Like, our minds cannot wrap our minds around that. But he did it. Okay? I don't know how he did it, but God did it. So we have the, the, the God of the universe who created us all. He now becomes creation. And that's what incarnation means. There's this term that um, you know, people use in, in church and throughout Christian history. Incarnation. It just basically means the act of being made flesh. And that's what Jesus did. The word, which is talking about Jesus, became flesh. He came and took on physical flesh and bones. And not only did he become flesh, the Bible says he dwelt among us. God dwelt, and that word means tabernacle. I don't know if you guys remember that in the Old Testament, um, the people would go to the tabernacle. That's where God's presence would come down. It was like this tent, um, and God's presence would come down in the tent. It tells us this in Exodus 25, verse 8 through 9. It says, they are to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. You must make it according to all that I show you, the pattern of the tabernacle as well as the pattern of all its furnishings. See, in the Old Testament, God's presence would come down, his spirit would come down on the tabernacle, and like Moses would go there to meet with God. But the thing is, it wasn't permanent. This was a temporary location, this tabernacle was. And eventually when the people sinned, you know, God's presence left. Okay, it wasn't there permanently with his people in that location. Because when the Babylonians came and destroyed them because they kept sinning and they weren't listening and obeying God, you know, the temple got wiped out, God's presence left. But see, in Jesus, this, this specific word that John uses, when he uses this word dwelt among us, this is something referring to permanence. See, Jesus is here permanently with us. You see, we no longer have this tabernacle that the people have to go to to try to find Jesus, where they have to, you know, meet with the priest. The priest would have to come and intercede for them. Listen, we have direct, direct access to Jesus. His presence is with us permanently. See, Jesus even himself says he will never leave us. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5 tells us that, that God is not going to leave us. So we don't have to fear. We don't have to worry about, oh man, if I sin, God will leave me. Like, no, that's gone. That's not happening anymore. Okay? If you are a believer, God put his spirit in you, right? You are now that tabernacle. God's spirit is not leaving you. His presence is with you permanently. 
And that's what Jesus came to show us. That's what he came to be for us, was God's physical presence here on earth. I mean, can you imagine we have this God who is high above us, yet he came low to this earth, this filth, to dwell among sinners like you and me? Like, can you, like, I can't imagine that, right? And so, I mean, that should just cause us to worship, which we'll talk about in a second. But God, that's why his name itself means Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us, right? Every time you sing a Christmas song and you see that word Emmanuel, it should make you just scream and shout. Like, yo, God is with us. Like, I don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. Like, none of us deserves that. But God came to be with us. He came to dwell, to tabernacle permanently with human beings, with each and every single one of us. And then it continues. We observed his glory... The glory as the one and only Son from the Father. See, Jesus is the glory or the presence of God. And that's what glory is. Glory, God's glory is his presence. And I mean, this is amazing. Like when you read this verse, you should just stop and be amazed. Because here's the thing. In the Old Testament, here's something that God says. He says, you cannot see my face. For humans cannot see me and live. Because Moses had said, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see your face. And God said, listen, you can't. If you see my face, you're going to die. Like, you can't do it. And he says, but you'll see my back, but my face will not be seen. So how was it that Moses could not see God's face, right? He could only see his back. But now, literally, people can see Jesus, right? The people at that time, they, I mean, they got to see Jesus. They got to touch him. They got to walk with him. The presence, the physical presence of God came down to be with people, with us. Something that the people in the Old Testament could not do, right? When, whenever God's presence would come down on the mountain back in the Old Testament, it would tremble and shake. The people would hide. They were like, Moses, you go. Like, we're going to stay way over here, all right? Because we can't mess with that, right? That's what the Old Testament was. It was a lot of fear and like people were removed from God. Right. But now when the New Testament, Jesus comes and it's like, come. Right. We get to physically come and be in his presence. We get to walk with him. We get to talk with him. Right. I mean, that's the beauty and amazement. So, you know, and that's the thing. All that anticipation, you know, you see all these verses in the Old Testament about God dwelling with his people, God coming to be with his people. That's what Jesus fulfills for us. He is God's physical presence here on earth. That's why he came to be with his people, to be with us. So we get to behold his glory. We get to see his glory. And that's what John 1.18 tells us. If you go a couple of verses ahead, it says, no one has ever seen God, the one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side, he has revealed him. So this is Jesus, God's physical presence here on earth with us. And then the verse continues, well, let me read this, um, this quote that I found to you. It says this, in Jesus, God walked with us and talked with us, just as he did with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Christ's arrival showed all humanity that God is faithful to fulfill his promises. Jesus was not just a sign of God with us. No, Jesus was God with us in person. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He's not a partial revelation of God with us. Jesus 
is God with us in all his fullness. Right? Everything that God is, everything that all of his attributes, like all of that is in Jesus. And we get to see that fully in him. And that's why if we continue, the end of the verse says this. Jesus is full of grace and truth. Um, at the end of 14, I'll go back and read it. Uh, the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So you see, Jesus is full of grace and truth. Those were the two words that I told you that, you know, Eric talked about grace and Caleb talked about truth. And these two words together, these are the two main characteristics that you see of God in the Old Testament. Um, often you'll see these words, steadfast love and faithfulness, over and over and over in the Old Testament. It talks about God's steadfast love and his faithfulness. Um, one example of this is Exodus 34, verse 6. It says, the Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. So you see, Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's grace and his truth. You see, Jesus came, you know, we all know he came to die for us, right? That's why he came. That's God's grace. We don't deserve that. That's his grace, his favor to each and every one of us. But it's also his truth because he has kept and fulfilled all the promises that God had made in the past to us, that he was going to come to be with us. Like we have that in Jesus to prove like, yo, God is true. God is real when he says, I'm going to keep my word. And he did that with Jesus. So what should that do for us? Listen, this should make you guys rejoice. Like we should all just be jumping and shouting and praising that God, who made all these promises thousands of years ago in the Old Testament, fulfilled them all in Jesus, and that Jesus came to dwell, to be with us. You see, God is sovereign, right? God moves nations and empires to accomplish his will, right? We see the example where God caused the census so that Moses, I mean, not Moses, Mary and Joseph would move to Bethlehem, right, to fulfill his word. Well, God still does things like that. Think about this pandemic, right? It's been hard. I mean, it's been difficult for a lot of families. 2020 has been difficult, right? But I think about one thing that happened as a result of this pandemic, okay? We have a sister here with us who got baptized, you know, um, a few weeks ago. But listen, that would not have happened had this pandemic not happened, right? Because because of the pandemic, that forced us out of Walton Elementary, and we had to start meeting at the field by MLK Center, right? Because of us meeting at that field, we got to meet Janetti, because she lives right across from that field. And so she comes out and she sees this church worshiping in the field, and she's like, whoa, I've been praying for a church, um, you know, for a church home to be with. And then God, you know, and again, I don't know if specifically that's why God did that, but we know he can. So I mean, he may have caused this pandemic just so that we could have been in this field so that Janetti could have come and met us across the field to come and worship with us. And now she's baptized. She's part of us here. Like, that's the God we serve. I mean, he will do what he needs to do to bring his people in. Okay? So, I mean, there's nothing too small. There's nothing too big. So when you see things happen, you know, like, yes, it may be difficult, right? But God has, he always has reasons. He always has purposes. And again, and he knew, God knew 2020 was going to happen. It's a surprise to us. That's not a surprise to God. Right. He knew this pandemic was going to happen. You know, he knew. But again, he's still with us. He is, you know, he has purposes that we may not get to see until, you know, we may never see. Right. Because think about all the prophets who made all these 
um, prophecies, all the people who are alive. Abraham didn't get to see the birth of Jesus. Moses didn't get to see the birth of Jesus. Um, David didn't get to see the birth of Jesus, right? But God made all these promises to them. So again, there are things that may happen in the future that we won't get to see. Maybe our children will get to see them. Maybe future generations will get to see, um, you know, the things that happen as a result of Pillar Church starting here. You know, we have all these hopes and dreams that we want um, the church to do, but some of us may not get to see that. But God's promises, his word, I mean, it's going to happen, okay? We can trust him. And it also shows us the Bible is true, right? All the prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus. And also the fact that God wants to be with us. He wants to dwell with us. So here's what I want you guys to do. Rejoice. Worship Jesus. Rejoice. Like whenever you, you sing um, some songs, right? Whenever you hear these Christmas songs, like it should cause you to just be filled with hope and joy. And I mean, just worshiping God and all that he has done for us. So whenever you see a baby, whenever you see a nativity scene, don't just see like, oh man, this cute little baby Jesus, right? That's what the world sees. I remember this movie, Talladega Nights, and like, um, and all they kept saying was like, you know, oh, sweet little baby Jesus, sweet baby Jesus, you know? But again, that, that's all the world sees is just sweet little baby Jesus. But this sweet baby Jesus grows up into man Jesus to save us, okay? Like, that is what we that's why, that's why we worship him. He's our Messiah. He's the king who was promised decades ago, right? So when you see the baby, think of this. I hope you see God's promises kept. Old Testament prophecy fulfilled. God's sovereignty. God's goodness. I hope you see your Messiah. I hope you see the anointed one. I hope you see the promised blessing of Abraham. I hope you see the king from the line of Judah, David's promised son. I hope you see the Jesus, the Redeemer. All of that is what you should see whenever you see this baby in this nativity scene. And I hope that brings hope to you. I hope that brings joy to you, no matter what's going on in your life right now. Like that is what we should see and that's the hope we should have every single time you see a nativity scene and we get to this Advent season. Now, there's a couple of um, lyrics from some Christmas songs that I just wanted to read. I'm not gonna sing them, I'm going to read them. Um, why are you? No, I ain't gonna sing. All right. Well, I want you to hear the words. I don't want you to, to, to hear my wonderful singing, okay? I want you to hear the words, okay? This first one is called, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Here's what it says O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. O morning stars together proclaim thy holy birth and praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. And then again, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And then this other one called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, which is a beautiful, beautiful song. And it says this, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. 
Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit rule in all our hearts alone, by thine all-sufficient merit raise us to thy glorious throne. And one more, I'm going to close with this one. It's a short one. And it says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. And rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, Pillar Church. God is with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you came to earth over 2,000 years ago to be with us, to dwell, to tabernacle with your people. God, you fulfilled so many prophecies which show us that your word is true. And while the Old Testament saints had to wait for thousands of years, God, we get to look backwards because you came. You came that first advent, God, and we know that now we are looking forward to when you're coming back. So God, every time we think about Christmas and we look back, help us always to look forward to the day when you will return and fulfill the rest of the prophecies and the rest of the promises that you have made. And we know they're going to come true because you came, you were born, you walked this earth and were with your people and you are with us even now, God. Your presence is with us. You sent your spirit to be with us and it never leaves us, God. You never leave us or forsake us, God. So let us rejoice. Let us worship now and always. In your name we pray. Amen.